Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast of The Invisible World of Jeremy Jones, where it's not so much about how to live your best life, but how to show up and live your life. Thanks for joining. Episode 6, Game, Set, Match, Part 2. Real quick update, reporting back, I just wanted everyone to know I am officially down from a 3-dad to a 2-dad. I'm down to a 2-honey, honey. I've won the first set there. Not the match yet, but you should see my confidence when I'm hitting my shots. My kids are like, Dad, Dad. Yo, hey, yes, yes, yes. Oh, how are you? So good to see you, son. You're such a great kid. I love you. How, how can I help you today, huh? <laughs> He's like, um, okay, yeah, uh, can you pass the milk? Oh, sure, yeah, here. <laughs> uh, listen, this episode is a bonus twofer to the previous episode about how your chances shoot up like a rocket if you win the first set. 75% chance you go on to win the whole match if you take the first set. But, but we must see what? Tell me, what does a great chess player do? Ah, we must see all the perspectives. Because we experience all perspectives, don't we? Flip the coin. Turn this up. What happens if we don't? win the first set. I can tell you about that because I have lost a bunch of first sets along the way. That's why today I want to start talking about my favorite tennis player. Has won the best records for most comebacks after losing the first set to win the match. He's one of the best in history. Has one less championship Grand Slam than Federer. His name is what? Rafael Nadal of Spain. I love his mojo. He's the poster child for the comeback kid. He goes by Rafa for short. Just sounds like a fierce bull who won't quit. He even has his own uh, tennis apparel line, which naturally is a logo of a bull. Rafa. He picks at his underwear the whole match. And get this. After every championship win, he bites his trophies for the pitcher. Like he's sinking the canines in. He's like, what? Please. Please, I don't care. I don't care about that first set winning percentage mumbo-jumbo. I'm going to hit one one well-placed rainbow brick at a time. One well-hit ball at a time. As much as I love Rafa, there's only been one player in ATP World Tour and Grand Slam Championship history to win more than they lost despite dropping the first set. That champion is Rod Laver. Yeah, Roddy boy from Australia, from down under, who triumphed 50.4% of the time. He was 70 and 69, the only tennis player pro to win more than he lost after losing the first set. So if our friend uh, Rod Laver can do it, so can we, right? Rod, Rafa, Their comeback percentage, they're head and shoulders above the rest. They're out there with his attitude. I can do all things. I can get to any ball, hit any shot. 
It's not over until it's over. And even then, come on, I'm sure I can still back-channel some kind of negotiation or something. Remember how we talked about illusions in episode one? And he's like, that's just an illusion, the importance of winning the first set. Instead, regardless of the score, I focus on my invisible world, which is I can win whenever I'm on the court, period. If I'm still on the court, no matter how far down, then I can win. I can win. Yin-yang balance. There's room for getting the strategic, important first set won. Yes, yeah, for sure. But if you don't get that, okay, well, I have more gears. This is not a problem. Lost the first set? Oh, this is not a problem. For those of you who know me personally, you know when my brother died unexpectedly, man, I just, I didn't see that coming. Or what about, wow, when COVID happened, you know, what did you hear? My business just wasn't ready. We had too much debt. Our family had too much debt or poor health or we didn't have enough emergency storage or we didn't have enough toilet paper. Just didn't see that ball coming. My key customer left. My friend and I just broke up. I was crushing it. Something happened. My kid didn't make the team. I didn't get the scholarship. I didn't get invited. I didn't lose the weight like I thought I would. I didn't get the promotion. I I didn't close that deal. I missed out on that stock. I lost money on that property. Tell no one. I didn't get the referral. I didn't get the news I was hoping for. Sometimes we just don't see the ball coming. That's okay. That's part of the match. N-G-B-B-Y. Do those letters mean anything to you? Ah, good old N-G-B-B-Y. I used to follow those letters every day. That's the stock ticker for the National Bank of Greece. Five years ago, when I first started in stock investing, I took $1,000 and I put it in this stock. At the time, it was on the brink of collapse as the Greece national economy was crumbling like a cake and staving off some wicked inflation. And I figured, hey, it's a national bank. Surely it won't go bankrupt. (laughs) Here I am today, buying it on the cheap, pennies on the dollar. And tomorrow, I'll be in some tropical Greek island beach with shades and no worries. Maybe a nice little yacht anchored off the shore. Just a 50-footer. I don't want to blow it all at once. I'm not compulsive or anything. <sighs> Can't wait till tomorrow. I logged in my app and someone else had the idea too. There was a lot of momentum around the stock that day. It was up 50% in one day. In one day. Now's my chance, I told myself. Better hurry because there's no other good deals out there. Just this one. If I don't buy it now, then I'll miss out and I won't have another chance to buy it. This is the best stock deal out there. One of a kind. Ground floor opportunity. I was lapping up all kinds of illusions. I hurried and swiped and bought it, and I still remember I was in the bathroom. I was getting my shirt on for work. Oh, baby. I looked at my wife. Who's your daddy, huh? (laughs) Pack your swimsuit because Sugar Daddy here just made a knockout genius purchase on some distressed bank in Greece. That's right. I do international deals, baby. I spent $1,000 on this thing. At the time, that was a meaningful amount of my set-aside investing pool. 1000 bucks is a lot of money any day of the week. Uh, somehow, in spite of all statistical odds, 
I was able to buy it at the very peak. The next day, it went down. The next day, it went down more. Another 20% down. By the end of the year, my balance on the stock was down to $200. Finally, finally, after a 15 to 1 reverse stock split and relentless economic woes and continued inflation, I sold the stock and barely recouped 80 bucks. Wow. Well, I blew that first set. So I know what it feels like to lose a set. I mean, I took that one right on the chin. However, I scored the loss as an education. See, I either win or I learn. This one, boy, I learned a lot. Worth a business degree to learn the subsequent discipline, patience, and knowledge. Good deals come along every day. There's tons of good deals out there. Lots of opportunities every day. It's just a matter of what you are seeking. Because what you seek, you what? You find Pay close attention. Ask yourself, what am I seeking? Are your binoculars pointed to what you really want? In the science world, focus on your velocity and not your speed. Speed is simply how fast you go somewhere. You can go just as fast to a win or a loss, but velocity is for champs. Remember the definition of velocity from high school science? What is it? What's velocity? Velocity equals speed plus direction. Am I pointed the direction I want to go? The speed can be adjusted. We can always go faster, but we must make sure we get the direction right. Like an airplane circumnavigating the globe, if the coordinates are off by just one degree, one degree, it'd be traveling 500 miles an hour. That's great speed, but it would miss the destination by about 500 miles. We want to focus on velocity, not speed. Be a warehouse manager and inventory what's going across the warehouse. Audit your warehouse inventory. What's the invisible stories running across my head? Do I like it? If not, I can always retell the story. That's the cool part. Like losing the Greek bank investment wasn't a setback. Well, It felt like that at the time. I was ready to quit investing, ready to open up a whole can of illusions. See if you can recognize any of the illusions I had. Investing is so hard. So hard. Investing's not for me. I'm not really that interested in making money anyway. I don't even care about being rich. (laughs) I don't like taking risks. If I would have studied business in college, then I'd be able to figure out this investing stuff. I'm... No good at math. Getting rich fast is always unethical anyway. (laughs) I was loading up on the illusions just like I did before I impulsively bought it. It was such a learning moment. But losing the money was actually a setup. Setups don't just happen from setbacks. It's a choice. Here's what I did to turn around that setback and win the second set. I literally wrote down the new story I wanted years ago. I have it right here. I started telling myself this new story every day in my morning meditation that I do. I'll read it uh, right here. It's so personal. I never thought I'd share this to anybody. Onwards, it says, I am always in divine surplus in my life. 
Whatever I do, I can prosper today. I am in abundance. I am open and receptive to all the limitless abundance the universe has to offer. I choose where every dollar goes to intentionally serve me. I have an abundance of wealth. And money chases me relentlessly, easily, and clearly. It's clear and easy to be wealthy as an investor. That was my rewrite. That was my comeback. That was my lesson. And now my portfolio, five years later, is vibrant and robust. I've made great returns with the kind of risk that makes sense for me. Does that mean it's so easy every time? No, I mean, I still get punched in the gut sometimes. But it's a lot easier and more importantly, enjoyable. It's more chill, less freaked out. Making money is so easy. Or making money is so hard. Either way you choose, you'll be right. All right, back to tennis. You still with me? Back to tennis. All right. Remember the last episode how we talked about some balls just get past us. How we aren't going to win every point. How the number one professional tennis players in the world only win 53% of their total points. Sometimes we don't see a shot coming. Sometimes we play against a John Eisner who's six foot ten and drills us with an ace at 150 miles an hour. Uh, we can't get every point back. I don't see all the balls coming. Here's what I want us to know today. We can, we can come back from anything. I know what it feels like to lose a first set. I remember taking the call nearly five years ago. Clear as today. When I found out my brother died unexpectedly, I remember that. I didn't see that ball coming. It was December, Christmas decorations. I was living in Los Angeles. I was sitting at the booth of a cheesecake factory eating dinner with my family. My dad called. Oh, hey, Dad. He told me he had bad news, and he did. I stood up from the table, and everyone knew immediately something was wrong. I paced around the restaurant listening to the news and was feeling like not just one, but all the balls were flying past me. I wasn't winning any points. I didn't even care either. I sat down on the floor on a random part of the restaurant. I was sobbing so hard. The snot was, I remember, it was dripping out of my nose and running in and out of my mouth. The kind of sobbing where I was convulsing. And my eyes were open, but I couldn't see because my tears were flooding my eyes. It felt like I was suffocating. I couldn't get oxygen. I felt all red and trapped. I could hardly breathe. People walked past me, staring. It was uncomfortable. They were concerned. I didn't care. I didn't see that coming. I didn't win the first set. I kept thinking about my brother. I kept feeling these barbs of wire. It was like they were tightening around my heart, and it felt like... They were poking into my lungs and cinching in, and I just kept feeling how much I love my brother and how much I wish I could have done more to be a better brother for him. How this couldn't be real. Sitting on the floor of cheesecake with my head between my knees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure I was going to come back and get back in the match. 
uh, it wasn't that my shots weren't going in. I wasn't even swinging. <clears throat> Those are big sets. When we lose someone we love, when we lose a big chunk of money, where we talk a big game about how much I love our family and our friends, how much you mean to us, and then whiff at a ball and go MIA on an addiction. Last time, I swear, I'm going to change this time. I, I really am going to quit this. All right? I swear, come on. Those are tough sets to play. I know someone personally who went bankrupt twice, who got lawsuits and separations. This isn't a random celebrity. This is someone I know and care about dearly. That's bad enough to go bankrupt once, but twice? Are you kidding me? That's like seven years of bad luck, and then boom, again. But, but they came back from it. I have another friend. Her, her sister lost her husband to an early tragic accident. Three young kids who barely had memories of their father. That one took a while. It took a while, but she came back. That was for sure a five-setter, as they say in the tennis world. I know someone personally who came back from falling on the ice, had massive brain injury, was so tough, came back, surgery after surgery. This stuff inspires me. Your comeback story inspires me. We may be embarrassed losing the first set and sitting on the dirty floor at Cheesecake Factory. But you never know if someone is watching, watching you, being inspired by how you get up off the floor and determined to chase down every ball, like making that comeback. Lost the first set. Ah, please, please. So I'm on the court. I'm still here. And if I'm on the court, I got a chance. I got a chance. Lloyd. What do you think my chances are? A guy like me with a woman like you. Well, that's difficult to say. Just hit me. Hit me with it. Level with me. Well, not good. Not good like one out of a hundred? Not good like, I'd say, more like one out of a million. Mm Mm-hmm. So... You're telling me I got a chance. Yeah! I love that part of the movie. You may be falling way behind on your health goals. Be like way down in a financial hole. And you're just starting Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University. You're trying. Don't confuse struggling with failing. Don't confuse struggling with failing. Double check your velocity coordinates. Make sure that the direction is spot on. You can always adjust your speed. I'm making my comeback here. And as it happens, it's one rainbow ball at a time. You may have the opposite angle problem too, of of too much money. Confused about which path to take or how to distribute and leverage your wealth in the most judicious and powerful way. The person with a dollar can't fathom that the person with 10 million has problems. Then you meet the person with 10 million and they're like, man, last year I only made two mil. The year before, I was at $4 million. I'm backsliding. I'm, I feel like I'm failing. The pain isn't about the dollar amount. We all feel it no matter what numbers we plug in. The pain is when we feel there's more in us to be. And we come up short for what we know is inside of us, selling ourselves short. That's the pain. 
playing small. Do you know this song? Everything is awesome. Stepped in mud, great. Got new brown shoes. Lost my job, that's a new opportunity. More free time for my awesome community. I feel more awesome than awesome possum. Everything is awesome. Right, Lego movie, right? Love it, love it. Do you remember how they followed up in the Lego 2 movie, the sequel? Ah, uh, gee. What happens when everything's not awesome? Everything's not awesome. Everyone's not cool. I am so depressed, and that's okay. Everything's not awesome, but that doesn't mean that it's hopeless and bleak. Everything's not awesome, but in my heart I believe we can make things better if we stick together. As master of our house, we have space for everyone, and we can make sure everyone is sticking together when it's awesome. And when it's not. What about Stephen Hawking? You were just thinking about him, right? What about him? He was diagnosed with the incurable neurological disease of ALS. He was 21 years old when he was diagnosed. And he was given just two years to live from the doctors. Everything's not awesome. Because sometimes it's just not. I don't know why. And I don't think I ever will. And I'm okay with that. But Hawking, he works on his comeback and he lives another 55 years. Yep, lost the point, lost the set. ALS comes back to be one of the influential theoretical physicists and cosmologists of our time. How long was Nelson Mandela in jail? 27 years. That is a long ass set. He probably didn't see that coming either. He was thinking, I'll probably be in jail for a little bit. I know I'm shaking it up. But 27 years? I've had some conflicts, but nothing like that. And for what? Remember the conflict episodes? It was a healthy conflict. Standing up for peace and equality. Still the conflict. That's a long time to be down. Eventually, I bet he's like, you know what? I got more time here to plan my comeback. How about when I get out of here, I come back and I run the whole show. Just because I'm struggling doesn't mean I am failing. You tennis fans out there will appreciate this. In April 2019, Tara Moore, a British tennis player ranked 479, lost the first set literally 0-6. to six. She didn't win one game. In the second set, she was down 0-5. The score was 30-40, to 40, meaning it was match point. All her opponent had to do was win one more point and the match would be over and she would be creamed. In one of the most unlikely and thrilling tennis comebacks ever, Tara fought back one rainbow point at a time to win the whole match in the third set. I didn't even see the match. I didn't even hear about it until a year after it happened. But here I am watching it with a bowl of popcorn in my invisible world. She has no idea how much she's inspired me. We never know who we might be inspiring with our comeback moments. Steve Jobs was fired from Apple, kicked off the board. He lost his set. Ah, okay. How can this setback be a setup? Might not see it at first, 
but keep at it. Keep at it. Where's the benefit here? You know what happens. What? He comes back and wins the match to create one of the most successful companies of all time. I heard about this guy. He got dishonorably discharged from the military. Had a whole range of lost sets there. Loss of reputation. Loss of honor. Loss of friends. Military buddies are like family. Loss of income. Lost his career path. I came across his journey when he was a few decades past the mile marker. And he said, he was like, you know, I'm so grateful. That because I thought all was lost, I was forced to start a new career in real estate, first as an agent, and then I started buying houses and fixing flips and properties, and I made heaps of money that I never would, and I've done a lot of good with my wealth, and I never would have been able to do that had I not had that setback. I see now it was a setup. We could seriously do this all day, all day. How about Bethany Hamilton, the surfer who lost her arm to a shark bite? How can you come back from that? What good comes out of a traumatic shark attack? But she goes on. Hey, I'm still on the court. Works hard to be a successful pro surfer, one arm. (laughs) Goes on to touch millions of lives, including mine, with her surfing success and recovery story. Things start expanding. Vision gets clearer. Purpose gets stronger. Ah, see, it's not just about me. And whether or not I'm okay, that's just level one. Level two, how does it affect other people? See how our invisible worlds are all connected. We visit each other. Right now even, we are visiting each other. And how we play, it can affect so many. So many. Think about Rosa Parks. This lady has become famous and honored for her to say, you know... I've lost this set over and over and over again, sitting in the back of the bus, but not today. Not today. It's my comeback day. Such a small thing, too, right? Think she ever thought about how her doing a simple act would inspire and be celebrated by millions? She's just moving seats on the bus. What a simple thing. Thank you, Rosa. Thank you, Martin Luther King, Jr. If you can't do great things, do small things in a great way. If you can't toast and roast, roast the match, right? just play one small point, one rainbow point at a time in the best way that you can, the best way that you know today. You may learn a better shot later. Who knows? You may learn how to get more topspin or a bigger kick on your serve, but today, just play the best shot that you have. One of my heroes is a guy named Brian Stevenson. Do you know who Brian Stevenson is? Can you rack your brain? Who's Brian Stevenson? We could dedicate dozens of episodes to the work he's done. He's a, he, right here, here's a wildly inadequate stab at a brief bio. Brian Stevenson is a black graduate from Harvard Law. He's still practicing today, specializing in helping black defendants on death row. This guy steals a page from MLK. Remember that conflict episode? Martin Luther King, he's just going back into the burning building, back into the burning bu- building to help people. His story is in the book called Just Mercy, also on, with a movie with Jamie Foxx. It's clutch. Um, check it out. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, Johnny D, one of the stories in there, is an innocent black man who gets arrested for a crime he didn't commit. And someone, a convicted white felon, lies at his trial. And based on the testimony that the white felon gave, Johnny D goes to jail on death row before his proceedings are even completed, after three or four years, this Brian Stevenson comes along. 
They go for an appeal with ample evidence proving his innocence, including the white felon admitting that he lied in his testimony. And you're thinking, oh, man, this innocent father, Johnny D, already lost the first set being arrested. And now guess, guess what? He actually loses the appeal. <sighs> Kidding me, right? Feels like the match is over. But Brian Stevenson is a tennis pro at, at hitting one more shot. Remember that's what Edison said in the last episode? Just try one more time. Just get it back over the net. They appealed the higher state court of Alabama, were granted a trial, and then later all charges against Johnny D were dropped. Check it out. Just mercy. Brian and his staff have now won 140 death row cases for relief, reversals, or releases. In fact, for every nine people on death row, one is proven innocent and released. Here's the gospel, according to Brian. Here's the principles that he operates from. There is a strength, a power even, in understanding brokenness. Because embracing our brokenness creates a need and desire for mercy, and perhaps a corresponding need to show mercy. When you experience mercy, you learn things that are hard to learn otherwise. You see things you can't otherwise see. You hear things you can't otherwise hear. You begin to recognize the humanity that resides in each of us. The true measure of our character is how we treat the poor, the disfavored, the accused, the incarcerated, and the condemned. It was a real tugging moment for me. How am I treating or how am I thinking about the poor and disfavored I come across? The answer is not well enough. I'm going to do better. The show inspired me. Show more humanity, more mercy. Of course, we focus on our strengths, right? Win the first set. Great strategy. Top 10 ways to improve. Self-mastery. Self-actualization. Stronger. Better. Stronger. Better. Stronger. Better. Ah! But may we also see the strengths, not the weakness, that lies in our brokenness. When I have my own broken moments, basically every day, do I condemn and shame myself? Or do I show my own self mercy? Think about that pink song titled, Don't Let Me Get Me. Ever felt like that before? Not just me, right? I'm a hazard to my health. Every day I fight a war against the mirror. I can't take the person staring back at me. I'm a hazard to myself. Don't let me get me. I'm my own worst enemy. It's bad when you annoy yourself. So irritating. Don't want to be my friend no more. I want to be somebody else. I love songs. Love music. They can be so vulnerable. These invisible world mental health issues... Robin Williams, the producer of Top Gun, Tony Scott, recently the producer of the This Is Us show, Jace Waters. Even money can't protect you when you feel the grinding self-doubt and brokenness. And we don't want anybody to know when we hit these seasons of life. So much stigma. Last episode, I shared a season I went through when I lost the set and was throwing up, vomiting while handling stress and anxiety. Hiding in the bathroom, hugging the porcelain. I must tell no one. It's okay to let our broken, weary traveler stay in our house. To give them a name. To bathe and feed them. 
because we also have a healer at our big invisible house. Can we connect with that broken, frightened, jealous, tired, annoyed, hurt, pain part? Right? Can we give that mercy to ourselves? Because then eventually, like in episode one, that will be what we radiate to others as our sunlight. We don't have to try to treat people with mercy and compassion. It's just an automatic radiation of the energy that's us. Because first in our invisible world, that's how we treat our own secret brokenness. All this makes me think of Jesus and you too, right? And the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's easy how we are treating the people we like, the people that are popular. But what about the people who are different than us, right? Who did offend us? What? You're wearing a COVID mask? Or what? You aren't wearing a mask? Don't tell me you're voting for so-and-so. Or the person who hurt our feelings, who we feel attacked or annoyed, the person who stole from our business or, you know, from our personal life. Or remember the proverbial person holding the cardboard sign on the previous episode? What's interesting about the Samaritan story, right? Nowhere was the good Samaritan qualifying the injured travel left to die from the beating of the thieves. He wasn't like squatting down like, ah, oh, wait a second, shoot. <laughs> you, you don't deserve this help. I mean, I thought you were more like me. So, I mean, never mind. I'm sure someone else will come help you. No, the good Samaritan's like, I am a light. It's just what I do. This is the light that I shine. It's who I am. You need help. So I'm help. How do we handle these weary travelers, the beaten up travelers? Sometimes maybe our spouse plays different parts, right? Sometimes they're the nice priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, right? My spouse just yelled at me, my friend or my neighbor, with civil unrest, uh, unrest, with COVID, with all these abrasive political divisiveness going on. We all need to treat others better, okay? Okay. But have you ever thought about like this too? We all have an invisible priest and Levite inside of us. And usually we just want to show that to other people. Like, hey, I'm playing all my all-stars. All my starters are in the game. My best players. I don't want you to know or to see that I have a player who is tired, who's weary, who's left on the side of the road in their brokenness. We can always be the good Samaritan to our own weary travelers in our invisible world. Before we finish today. I just, I want to throw in another story here about how I lost a set since I'm on a roll sharing this. I thought I was going to lose the match, but I came back. So as, as, to wrap up today, be thinking of your comeback stories too. Pull them out, right? Remind yourselves. Oh yeah, I came back from that. Right? I'll come back from this stronger, smarter, sharper. Play your highlight reel often. Have your own sports center shows starring you and your comebacks. Da-da-da, da-da-da. I remember in college at the University of Utah, go Utes, I was wrongfully accused of plagiarism. It was a group paper. The other guy cheated, not me. We both went in to meet with the professor, and the other guy took the full responsibility for plagiarizing. He affirmed it wasn't me and that he knew it was wrong, but he just got behind on schoolwork, on life. And then she, the professor, she turned to me, and she's like, sorry, Jones, you're going to get an incomplete too. I have no proof if you colluded or not in the cheating, and you're part of the paper. The writing is doctorate level. Me. Uh, well, that sort of makes sense since I'm a graduating senior. 
This was a big set to lose because I was at 119 credits. I needed this class so I would finish right on the nose to graduate at the required 122 credits. In spite of my schoolmate taking responsibility by association, unclear if he was just taking the rap from me, she said I was getting an incomplete too, not just for the paper, but for the whole course. I couldn't believe it. This was like December 8th, the last day of the semester. For me, well, I thought it was the last day of my college experience. I was graduating. That all changed. It wasn't even my fault. I was, what's the word? I was irate. Like, are you kidding me? They said I had to pay for the class again. Wasn't going to graduate. I didn't even do anything wrong. In fact, I worked my butt off to crush that paper. No graduation for me. What a blow. I was already interviewing for my full-time job and ready to start upgrading my ramen-only diet. Start making some real money. Start my career. But I lost that set. Oh, man. And I didn't even lose the set either, right? Someone came in and lost it for me. I couldn't believe it. it. Took me a few days. Then I had a comeback plan to go protest and talk to the dean of the communications college. I sat down. I pled my case. I am an innocent man here. I'll never forget what she said. She looked at me only mildly interested in my distress. And she said rather unfettered, you're a communication student. Use your persuasive communication skills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm listening. You write a paper persuading me to your innocence. If it's good enough, I'll overturn the decision of the professor, and you'll get a passing grade, a C, which is the highest I can give you considering the circumstances. A C? I crushed this class. I should get two A's. Uh, one week later, pulling some all-nighters, I delivered a 77-page thesis to prove my innocence. The whole time, I was so angry. Can't believe I lost a set. Whining. What a setback. So unfair. I didn't see it at the time, but it was a total setup. A sweet one, too. The thesis I submitted broke down the analysis of my points I made in my paper. I showed how no paragraphs in my section of the paper were plagiarized or on the internet. Then I went to my top writing professors and had them include a personal recommendation to my writing ability and my character, as well as evidentiary support for the past papers from other writing classes showing a similar writing level to the paper in question. After turning in the paper to the dean, two weeks later, I got back a letter saying that she was persuaded and gave me the C, thereby allowing my graduation and finalizing my degree. That was a cool moment, opening up her letter. I thought that was the comeback. I thought I came back and did it. I won the match, or so I thought, because it's taken me years later to realize the real comeback, the higher outcome, the higher comeback was the set that I, the, the lesson that I learned was in my invisible world, that I can boldly believe in myself, that I can fight for myself, and I can use these skills that are sharp and persuasive. And I, I even persuaded a stubborn old dean to see the value. I, I saw the value of my emerging qualitative and quantitative skills. It's served me well over the years. Looking back now, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. If I could pick, I'd pick that lost set on plagiarism again. We can see how our comebacks serve us, how they serve others. Seek and ye shall find. Remember, you never know who's watching you, watching your comeback as you bravely stand up from the back seat of the bus of your injustices and build the comeback. Not today. Not today, and move courageously to the front of the bus. You may feel all alone. You may feel embarrassed. But your comeback, that's not just a gift to yourself, but for all of us. 
may I be my own good Samaritan. It's okay, Jones. You blew it. You lost the first set. I didn't even work out once this week. That's okay. Okay. I, I'll come back. You know? I offended so-and-so. Okay. I'll come back. Boldly believe in yourself. Believe in those around you. In a time of doubt, be a light. In a time of darkness, be a light. Mm. By the way, do you know who Ricky Jackson is? Anybody? Ricky Jackson? Ring a bell? He served the longest sentence in the U.S. for a crime he didn't commit. He was accused of murder. He served for 39 years. 39 years. Some of you listening aren't even that old. He was released and proven innocent. Here's what Ricky Jackson had to say. Listen to how he chooses to build his comeback in his invisible world. I intend to live well, Jackson continues, pouring himself a glass of pomegranate juice. But it has nothing to do with whether I'm here in this nice house or whether I'm homeless. It has to do with attitude. I've been given an opportunity, you understand? And I'm not going to waste it by holding grudges. That was a gut check for me. Hey, am I wasting some of my comeback opportunities because I'm holding grudges? I've, I've chained myself to the pain of losing the first set while the key has been in my pocket the whole time. Am I letting insecurity, doubt, and grudges back in my match? Okay, final thought as we finish today. Final thought. Unlike tennis, when we start losing a lot of points, hey, we can talk to our coaches. Find coaches. Find mentors. Find friends, resources, journals, songs, therapists, podcasts. Find strong foundations on which to build. Be vulnerable. We must be our truth, right? Because the truth will what? Right? The truth will set you free. Oh, look, I throw up when I get stressed and overwhelmed. My skin gets all itchy. I get rashes. Or I'm having a hard time handling some anxiety and depression. Will you help me with my comeback? I'm having a hard time deciding on which degree or which job to take. I'm having a hard time with God and religion. I'm at a real crossroads right now. I'm having a hard time knowing if I should sell my business and retire. I don't know. Or finding a new CEO. I'm having a hard time believing in my artwork knowing how to handle this particular relationship, having a hard time controlling my anger. I'm always flipping my lid, having a hard time controlling this weight, having a hard time constantly comparing myself to others. Call the time out. Share, connect. My wife and I play mixed doubles. I bring our average down, right? So I'm grateful for her wisdom and consistency. It gives kind of swings back the advantage to us when we play other teams. When I struggle on the tennis court in real life, I start missing shots and then I feel bad for missing the shots and I'm totally in my head. My wife tells me, just get the ball back over the net one more time. Just get it back over. You don't have to hit a smoking winner. You don't have to hit the best untouchable shot. I mean, do it if you can, babe. But minimum, minimum goal, keep the ball in play. Don't worry about the maximum goal. I will win every point. Maybe. Sure, sure. Not me, right? Like, I don't need that kind of pressure. But minimum? Cheddar in the bank? 
Don't give away the point by dumping it in the net. Oh, just keep, keep the point alive. Just get it back over the net one more time, one point at a time. When I'm out playing a match, I literally tell myself, I don't know if I'll win this. <laughs> this other guy's serve is totally legit. But, but I can do my best this point. Let's do this one point at a time. I, I could lose this match. I could win. Eh. But I'm going to experience the experience. It said, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. If we end up losing the first set, let's use our loss as fodder for the comeback. Maybe this stuff on the podcast is helpful. Maybe it's interesting. Occasionally, maybe it's even slightly entertaining. But powerful? That's up to each of us. If and when we take the principles and we connect the dots in our invisible constellations so it can illuminate the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs of our tennis matches. Right? Sometimes we'll get on a roll right, and we'll rack up one of those 98% win ratios and sometimes we'll lose all the games in the first set. But we can always come back. Don't waste your crises. Don't waste your pain. Today is my comeback. I'm still on the court. My Rod Leva down under comeback. Right? To finish this match today. How about this? How about this? I intend to live well. Right, Ricky Jackson? Doesn't matter what house I'm in, matters what's happening in my invisible world. My comeback, your comeback, it can connect and inspire because the world needs who you were meant to be. I need it. You need it. So be it. <laughs>